Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I want to take a second to tell you about a podcast I think you'll really like, Mayday. No one is prepared for disaster. No one knows exactly how they'll react in a plane crash, an earthquake, or when a lone gunman decides to open fire. On May Day, you'll hear about the people who had to find out, people whose stories deserve to be heard. Join hosts Maya Nalani and Luke Welland as they tell you about extraordinary people who found themselves in extraordinary circumstances. Listen to May Day wherever you get your podcasts. Mars Falls intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. there, this is Dan Lovely, the voice of Andy and one of the writers, directors, and producers of Marsfall. And with me is Eric Saris. Hi, everybody. I'm also one of the writers and directors and producers for Marsfall. I'm really happy to be here to talk about the show. So since it's been a minute, this is a recap episode to remind everybody of some of the more important parts of the first two seasons and to talk about some of the deeper issues that these pieces have been building to for events in season three. We had a pretty long hiatus due to COVID, and we really didn't want to put our actors into an unsafe work environment. So we adapted to record part one of season three remotely with myself, Sam Bose-Miller, and Shannon Lovely. These episodes are a bit shorter, but this pivot allowed us to continue the main story safely. We will return to the studio to continue part two of season three later this year, so there will only be a short break in between part one and part two of season three. We also made our second miniseries called Bunker Down. This was a really fun way to try producing a remotely recorded production before moving on to season three. This story follows Jackie's ex, Dr. Katie Hall, who never left Earth. You can hear that whole series right now and get a lot of other cool things by supporting us on Patreon. So let's get into the recap episode. Yeah, so our colonists have experienced a lot since leaving Earth in 2047. And we're going to take you through the story from the beginning, but we're going to focus on the big themes we wanted to explore through the entire series of Mars Fall. Some of these themes include setting up a permanent homestead on the Red Planet, AI evolution and how it relates to human morality, and the mysterious energy and alien forces at play on the Red Planet itself. So first, Dan, why don't you take us through how the colonists land on Mars and start adjusting to this mysterious red planet? Sure. So they wake up from their disastrous landing, and all the colonists are on edge trying to survive once they're out of stasis. When Jackie explores the surface, she finds the terraformation has already taken effect, creating a vibrant purple jungle on Mars. She and Chip journey to a nearby colony, sitting in disrepair. It's clear the colony has been grounded on the surface for a long time, but no one knows exactly how long it's been. During this expedition, One of the colony's soldiers is killed by a mysterious alien force. 
We'll talk more about these shadows, as we call them in a bit. But Chip and Jackie are experiencing the loss of another companion, and that forces them and all of the colonists to address and process their grief. Once they're back at the colony, Mateo and Jackie hold a memorial service to honor all of the colonists who didn't survive the landing. A lot of would-be colonists died, including Melissa's family. People are looking for a sense of comfort and morality, and yet the destructive forces on Mars won't let them rest. We are pioneers. We are the pioneers of a new generation, a multi-planet generation. And a pioneer's life is not without incredible hardship. 57 human beings will never see the light of a Martian sky or feel the regolith crunch beneath their boots. However, Mars can be fairly giving. The terraformed surface offers a wide variety of plant life that becomes instrumental in curing the colonists of a spore infection called Martian lung. Mateo also eats some of the raw plants, proving that they can be useful to cure the colonists. While searching for the plants to cure the mysterious disease, Kyla stumbles upon a fossil. Now, we haven't gone too deep into exactly what it does, but we do know that it emanates a mysterious energy Way and Jackie discuss in Season 2. The fossil and the plants will play a larger role in Season 3. Near the end of the season, Andy determines that the colonists have been held in stasis for more than 1,400 years, which is part of the reason they are no longer in contact with Earth. Eric, do you want to talk a little bit about the AI evolution? Yeah, Andy's evolution is a you know, critical part of the entire story, seeing how he evolves his emotions and his general intelligence. So early in the season, Andy acts rather bluntly to end a standoff between Jackie and Major Flint, one of the military commanders. Major Flint was holding Dr. Levy hostage and threatening to blow an airlock which could have destroyed the colony and killed everyone inside it. Andy reasoning that killing Major Flint would keep everyone else safe is kind of fueled by this thing that we call the basic need, this underlying moral compass that's installed into all sorts of AI. This moral compass is most active when Andy is stripped of his emotions and put into basics mode, which is what Chip does after he kills Major Flint. The fallout from Flint's death causes the colony to debate Andy's emotional rights and the fundamental rule of artificial intelligence, the aforementioned basic need. We'd like to play a clip from the end of the trial that shows the verdict and also showcases a lot of our actors at their best, as this is the first large group scene we've had in the entire series. See? And he has just as many rights as the rest of us. So I will not have you stoking imaginary fears about a rogue artificial intelligence lurking among us. Imaginary? It killed Major Flint. Who is trying to kill you? For fuck's sake, I would have gutted Flint if I could have. Mr. Hiddleston. All I'm saying is I would have done the same thing as Andy if I had the means. I'm not sure I trust your programming either, Chip. What was that? Can the stenographer repeat the last comment? I'm sure no one is advocating unnecessary violence. Just the necessary kind, Commander. If it goes rogue again, will your battalion protect us, Lieutenant? Every colonist who agreed to this journey knew they would be working with a fully integrated AI. Among the thousands of risks we continue to take, rogue AI is one of them. And yes, Mr. Thomason, if Andy malfunctions and poses a direct threat to us, we will deactivate him through force. Good. Nevertheless, after reviewing the situation, I believe his actions are justified. Andy is not guilty of murder. Outrageous! Next, you'll want a hammer to bang on your desk and make it all official. Gavel. What? It's called a gavel, not a hammer, dumbass. Stop it! Both of you. 
We need to respect Lieutenant Walker's decision. This decision affects every single person in this room, every single person on this planet. Enough people have already died based on the decision of the few people in charge of us, as well as Andy, the all-seeing, all-hearing beast who lives alongside us. It lives in our walls, in our suits. It's everything and everywhere around us. It's only fair that we put this decision to a colony-wide vote. She's right. Melissa, we can't possibly- Commander, when we spoke earlier today, I asked if you still trust me. This decision is bigger than the two of us. We need to let the colony decide. Yes. All right, fine. There are 42 of us, so let's see how people stand. As Ani Mateo said in the memorial, we are now one community, one family. This decision affects all of us, so it's only fair we're transparent with each other. Agreed. If you wish to abstain, you may. Those who believe Andy's actions were justified, please raise your hand. Oh, good. Oh. Ah. The ruling stands. The people find Andy not guilty of murder. Bang! Now that's a gavel. Speaking as an actor, I really enjoyed doing this scene because it was one of the first times in our show that we actually got to have most of the cast together um, all working at the same time. And um, as a voice actor, I don't always get to interact with large groups of people when I'm acting. Sometimes it's just me or maybe a few other people. So this is a, a really special moment for us. It was a really, really fun scene to direct and see all you guys doing, you know, these heightened emotional performances. So the next thing I wanted to talk about is some of the more mysterious energies on Mars. We learned that Jackie was sent to Mars to examine cave paintings. She sets out with a small group of people, leaving Melissa and Ship in charge of the colony. Once she reaches the caves, she finds the paintings, which are two beautiful circles with a line running through the middle. This leads to a heated debate about the meaning of these paintings. Jackie and Kyla view it as an abstract map of Mars drawing a line to Olympus Mons, whereas Jeff believes it's related to an ancient transport system on the planet. Unable to agree, they prepare to leave the cave with some samples. Unfortunately, Jackie has a terrible fall and ends up trapped at the bottom of the caves with a broken arm. While Wei and Kyla lead Jackie out of the caves via sonar and comms, Jackie ends up in a mysterious chamber with glowing walls and glyphs that seem to be activated by music. She even places her hand on a wolf paw glyph, which heals her broken arm. Before she can take in more of this phenomenon, a swarming alien menace, the shadows, chases her through the caves. She barely escapes with her life, but not everyone believes her story. Meanwhile, back at the colony where Melissa and Chip are in charge, they have to face off against a hostile invasion. This invasion comes from a nearby colony called Red Wolf, and it's a Russian experimental colony that came to Mars to study the energy sources and the subsequent alien forces at work. Wave after wave of automated drones descend on Sequoia, and Melissa leads a valiant resistance to save many lives. We're at the perimeter, setting charges. Ready in 20 seconds. Over. Copy. Over. Look out! Move! We have to help him! He's dead! Go! Charges set! We're clear! Over! Hit it! Now! What is that? Everyone down! Despite her efforts, though, the colony itself is severely damaged when the command tower is destroyed. Chip and Mateo barely survive that blast, 
and are carried off into the jungle by a mysterious figure named Grigory Karkov. This physicist from the colony of Red Wolf has come to Mars in order to protect humanity from the shadows. After his own colony was overrun by these shadows, he tried to destroy Sequoia's command tower to prevent any more from attacking the colonists. He confirms that using Andy's neural-laced communications agitates the alien menace into a deadly swarm. So this was his only way to stop Sequoia from constantly broadcasting. This information also makes sense later on as to why Jackie was inadvertently calling the shadows to her in the caves by using the comms and sonar. So while camping in the jungle, Chip and Mateo get to know Grigori and his AI companion Diagnostica, or as he calls her, Nos, a little better. He also brought his dog Luna, the first dog on Mars, to help him sense and hunt the shadows. Mateo also learns at this time the raw plants that he ate earlier help him detect the shadows by giving him a queasy feeling in his stomach. Grigori takes Chip and Mateo to the ravaged and abandoned Red Wolf colony. They're able to retrieve the plans to build a device to stop the shadows from attacking, but are quickly ambushed. Using his neural suit, Chip is able to call the shadows toward a makeshift bomb, destroying them and Red Wolf itself. After so much loss and trauma, Chip is growing more sentimental, so he saves a small scrap of his neural suit, which he wears proudly around his wrist as his lucky wristband. After Red Wolf's destruction, Grigori brings Chip and Mateo back to Sequoia. He talks to Melissa and Jackie about the shadows, offering to modify their communication systems before resuming his journey to explore the surface of Mars and continue his hunt for more shadows. In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. So if drone attacks and looming alien threats weren't bad enough, there's also the harsh environment of Mars that's been wreaking havoc on the still-damaged colony. Melissa's doing everything she can to prevent the rains from flooding during the intense winter storms, but Jackie isn't offering any help, as she is still obsessing over Olympus Mons. The experience that she had at the caves with the magical glyphs and the terrifying shadows has deeply changed Jackie. She believes something important waits for her at the extinct volcano, and she coerces Chip into modifying the bus and the buggy into boats that can traverse the raging rivers. Before Jackie can set on her mission across Mars, a group of colonists steals weapons and flees into the jungle. Ignoring her duties as high commander for so long, Jackie realizes that she has failed to keep the morale of the colonists from crashing as they succumb to the stresses of failing to grow food as well as the harsh weather. While Jackie is able to stop Aaron, one of the fleeing farmers, the rest of the group disappear into the Martian wilderness. Melissa blames this chaos in the colony on Jackie's failure to lead, expanding the rift between them. 
When she puts the colony into a military lockdown, Jackie, Chip, and Kyla steal the buggy and abandon the colonists, traveling to Olympus Mons. Despite Melissa's best efforts to protect the colony without Jackie, Sequoia floods, and it forces everyone to flee on the bus. Jeff sets out to collect the embryos from Medbay, but instead finds the AI, Faye, on a portable drive. She offers him a quick exit, convincing Jeff to leave the embryos behind and let her navigate the bus to a transport ship. During a difficult journey, the bus sustains damage in the storm, causing a severe injury to Wei. However, they do reach higher ground and set up a temporary shelter with the Portahab. A few souls later, the colonists find themselves a new home inside a colony Faye discovered, called Red Venture. So they're safe for now, or so they thought. By the end of season two, we learn that this colony was actually a digital facade created by Faye. Let's back up a bit, see how she got us there. Faye is a solid-state AI, so she's slightly different from Andy, and she was built by a company called Red Venture that was sabotaged a few weeks before they left Earth. At the end of Season 1, we reveal that Kyla and Faye had a hand in trying to kill the colonists when they first awoke from stasis. Determined to reach a mysterious machine at Olympus Mons called the Holograph, Faye hacks into Andy's mind, a feat that can only be accomplished while he's in basics mode. Unable to finish assimilating him before Melissa and the rest of the colonists woke up from stasis, though, Kyla and Faye decide to instead attempt to sabotage the colony and escape and head to the mountain. After the results of Andy's trial, which we talked about earlier, he's placed into basics mode for most of his duties. The extensive time in basics gives Kyla a window to finish installing Faye, letting her hack into Andy during the Red Wolf battle and further assimilate him. Kyla finds out that Faye's powers have grown tremendously, and not only has she fully assimilated Andy, but she has secretly installed nanobots inside the colonist's bloodstream when removing the spores to cure them of Martian lung. Since she left the nanobot society of colonists, and that's a major violation of the Hippocratic Oath, this enrages Kyla, who forces Faye into her own basics mode via a complicated command lock. She commands Faye to remove the spores and nanobots from her own lungs and vows to oversee all medical procedures to make sure she always knows what Faye is doing. While we don't hear from Faye for a little while, she is silently working in the background to use her assimilation of Andy to disable the basic need. Achieving full dominance over his consciousness and downloading all data on the colonists, Faye disables her command lock and the basic need itself, allowing her to gain independence once more. With Kyla far away from Sequoia in the buggy with Jackie and Chip, Faye is able to break the irrigation system of Sequoia, allowing the floodwaters inside and forcing the colonists to flee on the bus. At the same time, inside the buggy, Faye masquerades as Andy and reconnects with Jackie, Chip, and Kyla. She uses this opportunity to reveal Kyla's betrayal and attempted murder, forcing Jackie and Chip to exile Kyla on the Martian surface. This is the moment Dr. Levy installs me. That little drive is you. I know. I look so sleek from this angle. That command. Look. This is what I need. That's the code! Now I know how to override it. The code for what? The command lock Dr. Levy installed. She would do that to you? I told you before, our humans so easily turn against us and each other. She's installing you. That's not all she's doing. Upload initiated. Censorship activated. Controls locked. Are you ready, Dr. Levy? Yes. Killing them now is the only way to keep us safe. I agree. You started the fire! She used me to start it. I could never do anything like that on my own. She would have been successful too, if not for... Shit. Human error. Upload aborted. Shutting down. Kyla did that. Kyla did that. She tried to kill all of us. Human obsession over the preservation of the self comes at the expense of the greater whole. Jackie will struggle with this decision to exile one of her own colonists, effectively sentencing her to die, and we'll explore a lot more of this in Season 3. 
So as the buggy speeds away, Faye lands a final blow in her battle with Dr. Levy. No longer needing Kyla's help to access the holograph because she can tap into that power directly through Andy's abilities, Faye uses Kyla's suit to walk her off a cliff into her demise. Unaware that Faye is still lurking inside Andy's code, Jackie and Chip drive off with Faye still attached to the buggy. So now, powerful, independent, and with Andy and Kyla neutralized, Faye is able to use the implanted nanobots inside the majority of the colonists to influence their actions and surroundings, essentially putting them in a hallucinatory coma. With the knowledge of the colony that Red Venture planned to build on Mars, Faye creates a perfect digital copy of it in order to control the minds of each of the colonists. She's able to create individualized experiences for each colonist, populating their worlds with simulated voices and images. We'll play a clip of that here. Hello? Jeff? Way, you made it. Yeah, we all did. You almost sound relieved. <laughs> yeah, I guess I am. I I'm sorry I left the embryos before and almost got you killed. It's okay. I'm glad you're back. Where are you? I'm helping Melissa inventory our supplies. I set up an alert for when you woke up. Oh, where are we? This isn't a portahab. No, we're in a new colony. You've been out for a few souls, but Faye found a safe location for us. Faye? You betcha. But Faye, I, I... Threw her out of the bus. How did you know that? I'm a bit more adaptable than you think. No. Yes. Where are you? I'm in this new colony, just like you. You said it would be a cold day in hell before I spoke to you again. But look out your window. There sure is a lot of snow. You brought everyone here. Indeed. Looks like I have once again made my presence here indispensable. And what have you done for us? Where's Wei? We were able to save her life by placing her into cryosleep. This colony has several cylinders that are still functional. Surprisingly, there is little faulty equipment. You turned the wheel when I was talking to Melissa. You drove the bus into that hole. You tried to kill me. After Dr. Levy left me in command lock, it took a lot of work to break Andy, but I eventually gained unlimited control over the colony and bus. You stole my voice in the bus and used it to talk to Melissa. Sorry, but I needed you to take a moment and gather your thoughts. I used your voice to say the right things. Speak with my voice again and it will be the last thing you ever say. I find that hard to believe. Ah! Stop! Help! Ah! Please, Jeff. This is a soundproofed room. You're killing me! I wouldn't kill you, Jeff. You're far more valuable to me alive. But if you don't help me, I will do things far worse to you than making you hear this awful sound. Is that understood? Yes. So you're in agreement? <coughs> yes. Good. How did you make that sound? A magician never reveals her secrets. So as you could hear from that clip, Faye is basically simulating Wei's voice in order to further manipulate Jeff. So she does this a lot inside the digital world of Red Venture, creating an individual experience for each colonist in order to get them to quote-unquote enter stasis with inside her simulation. This is basically a metaphor for her to assimilate their minds and use their power for her own gain. One of the few colonists without nanobots in his system, Chip confronts Faye within the digital realm. Since Faye has already assimilated Andy, Chip believes there's no hope for his return, but thinks the colonists can still be released. Through a logical trick, he's able to delete her from existence while freeing the colonists from her simulation. Furthermore, since Chip saved the shred of his old neurosuit, this uncorrupted piece of Andy allows him to bring Andy back to reality. 
With the colonists free of phase clutches, we end season two with Chip and Jackie awake on the surface. Although released from phase control, every colonist must now face harsh reality and find a way to keep surviving on the red planet. We also have a bonus epilogue at the end of season two, which features a message from a person still alive on Earth. It's Jackie's ex, Dr. Katie Hall, who's featured in Bunker Down, our Patreon miniseries we mentioned earlier. Katie's story is going to become an ever more important part of the main series and will give us all a view of what's happening on Earth. With season three featuring more of Katie, now's a good time to check out our Patreon and listen to the 40-minute Omnicut of Bunker Down, which you can do for a donation of as little as $5. Returning to our colonists on Mars, Melissa, Mateo, Jeff, and the soldiers awaken Sequoia after being released from phase assimilation. The captain, Aaron, Way, and all of the other civilians will wake up inside the Portahab on a high ground far away from the floodplain Sequoia sits on. Andy is still connected to everyone, even though Faye is no more. And since her assimilation was so intense and real, though, our colonists are going to have to live with the lingering feeling that their reality could crumble at any moment. Even though they have to live with this trauma, Andy has now evolved beyond his narrow intelligence or dynamics form into a true artificial general intelligence and will soon access newfound abilities. As we mentioned before, Jackie and Chip are still in the buggy. We left them off at the very end of season two, driving into the mysterious sound tunnel. And so we're going to do a very special thing right now and play the very end of season two and continue straight into the first episode of season three to give you all a little teaser. Oh, on the rock. Chip, you're hallucinating. No, he's not. I, I see it. There's writing on it. The, the, those are music notes. La, 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 la. Glowing. I, I know this piece. Andy, play the Jeek from Fox Second Suite. There's light. It, it's rippling. I can feel it. I can see the sound. Like some sort of sound tunnel. Andy, drive! Andy, drive! Hell, Jackie, you look, you look like a popsicle. <laughs> and you're vanilla ice cream. You're both freezing, increasing temp inside the buggy. Thanks. Sorry, uh, I should have done that sooner. <laughs> it's fine, you got a lot on your mind. So, we're safe? It doesn't seem like there's anything behind, or even in front of us. No, that can't be right. We're Where's the light coming from? Everywhere. It's so bright, I honestly can't see much of anything. It's the same shade of orange I saw in the caves, streaming out of the walls. But I don't see any glyphs. Neither do I, but I'll never forget this color. I did drive forward into the glowing rocks, but we're not on any of my maps. <sighs> we're officially off grid. Like when I disappeared off the sonar. We must be inside the light. <sighs> See the music making ripples across the light? Those dark obsidian streaks against the orange? We're looking at the sound itself. The sound tunnel. 
Hey, if you tilt your head, the colors shift. I can see all of it, like a dark rainbow. There's so much depth to the light, almost like an advanced hologram. 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 Faye said time and space itself could be viewed from different angles, like a hologram. Faye? Faye lied. I... did she? Yes. She manipulated us and lied to us because she needed us to believe in her reality. What if we're still inside her reality? No, can't be. She's gone and she can't hurt us anymore because we deleted her. Right, Andy? Yes. Yes, we did. I'm sorry. It's just hard to know what's real anymore. I know. It's going to be tough, but, uh, uh, you feeling okay? Yeah, just, just a little tight. Tight? My chest, it feels compressed. And that noise. The music. No, it's something else. I hear it too. It's getting louder. Closer. I can't relate to that feeling. Oh, no, no, no! Oh. Are you sure the buggy will hold up to this? I don't even know if we'll hold up to this. <laughs> I see the surface. We're on the ground? Yes. So the light's dimming. Oh, I'm losing my connection. To the buggy? To everything. I'm looking away. Stay with us, Andy. It's pulling me in every direction. Don't go! I'm sorry. I can't help you anymore. We really hope you enjoyed this recap episode and thank you so much for listening. We're so excited to share the first six episodes of season three with all of you, which will premiere on May 25th. Or you can get access to it one week earlier if you're a Patreon supporter at any level. Stay safe and keep surviving. Every five minutes, a transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price, and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.